Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Think about what Satan steals from us. It's not what we think. He's not interested in our material things. He doesn't need any of that. What does he steal from us? He steals our intimacy with the Lord. He steals our devotion to the Lord. Well, the Lord recovers stolen property. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ezra. How many blessings have we allowed the enemy to take from us by allowing him to deceive and tempt? As Pastor J.D. points out, Satan comes to steal and destroy. We must be so in tune with God's word and his promises that we quickly recognize the work of the enemy and turn away from it. God has called us to a blessed life, but we must remain in him, his will, and his promises. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Ezra, chapter 5, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. This Tatanai guy is sort of interesting to me, and I, and I say that for a couple of reasons, one of which is that he seems to think that this decree from King Cyrus doesn't exist. Or, it's either that, or, secondly, If it does exist, there's no way that it'll ever be found. Now, again, in all fairness to this guy, he's willing to proceed with the due process of searching out the matter. But think about this. It's been 15 plus years. And what's the likelihood that they're actually going to find it. Now, spoiler alert, they do find it, which is a a miracle in and of itself. But this is interesting in that it's a textbook case of God putting the right people in the right place at the right time. And he does this in order that he might accomplish his purpose. And this is what happened, exactly what happened in the book of Esther concerning Mordechai. To me, Esther chapter 6, which I want to read verses 1 through 10, is one of the most fascinating passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. And I know I say that about a lot of passages in all of the Bible, but this is such, you can't make this up. You cannot make this up. Talk about the hand of God, the eye of God, orchestrating the circumstances in the realm of the Spirit, and moving and directing everything and everyone perfectly according to His purpose, in spite of the opposition that is against His people. Let me give you kind of a a quick backstory here. So, This uh, evil Haman, Haman, really a type of the enemy, has convinced the king to issue an edict, irreversible edict, that all of the Jews there in the kingdom be killed. And he does not know, unbeknownst to him, he's about to find out. 
in a very dramatic way <laughs> that Esther just so happens to be a Jew. Now Mordechai is the arch enemy of really the enemy, this uh, Haman. And we're, we're told that when Haman would be out in the streets, he would demand that everyone bow down to him. And Mordechai would refuse to bow down to him. And of course you know the story about how Esther became the queen, that's the hand of God, moving, choreographing every step ever so perfectly for such a time as this, for Esther to be the queen after this Queen Vashti. There's quite a, I can't wait to get to this book. There's so much typology in the book of Esther as well. So here's this edict, and now Haman is building these gallows to hang Mordechai because he will not bow down to him. And now he's got the king on his side, unbeknownst to the king. The king doesn't know that Esther's a Jew either. He's about to find out in a pretty dramatic way as well. So on this particular night, he's got now a case of insomnia. Um, how many of you know that God will sometimes not allow us to sleep because he, he wants to do something? as only he can, how he'll wake you up sometimes. And sometimes it's just to pray. Sometimes he'll just put something or someone on your heart. Sometimes you'll have difficulty going to sleep. Uh, by the way, one of the best sleep aids is reading your Bible. <laughs> no, that, that, that works uh, sometimes. Uh, that works all the time actually because, and that's because Satan hates it when a Christian prays or reads their Bible. And that's why drowsiness, I mean, you can be so alert, feeling really good, energetic, and it'll be two o'clock in the afternoon, you'll open up your Bible and, oh my goodness, I mean, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're just like, you know, kind of like right now. So, <laughs> you know, just the, your eyes get heavy. It's kind of like, whoa. That's a spiritual thing. There's something to that. That's a spiritual thing. Well, this is the opposite thing that's taking place here. So we're told, verse 1, that night the king could not sleep. So one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. That'll put, how boring would that be? Go, go find the records you know, the civil records, you know, some cases that were uh, adjudicated, some of the decisions, some of the judgments rendered, and just, man, that'll put me to sleep like nothing else. And you just read, you know, how boring would that be, right? So, verse 2, <laughs> so the record of the Chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written, verse 2, that Mordecai had told of Bichthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. Then the king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. Oh, oh isn't it interesting that of all the records, all the scrolls. We, we read nowhere here where the king said, I want that specific scroll. You know, scroll number 48B-CC69124-X. I want that one. 
I want that scroll. Go find it. No, he said, just, just go get me something, man. Just read some chronicles to me and I just need to get some sleep here. And isn't, what a coincidence that they would pick the one about this plot to assassinate the king and how this guy by the name of Mordechai saved the, the life of the king because of the Lord. Do you, coincidence? Really? No. God moved them that night to that specific scroll, that specific record with the one about this Mordechai. And so they tell him, King, nothing has been done for him. So the king said, who is in the court? Now, Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace. What, what another coincidence. What, what are the odds of this, right? No, it's not coincidence. It's God's providence. God is moving just so perfectly, so precisely. Now, we're, we're told that he had just entered the outer court, and we're told why. He had entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordechai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. Wait a minute, dude, the king just got done being read the chronicles about how Mordechai saved the king's life and you're coming in to tell the king to hang the very guy that he wants to now honor because nothing was done for him? Only God could do that. Only God can do that. God can do anything. I love this. You can't make this up. This, by the way, this, let me calm down a little bit, but you know, this is not based on a true story. This is a true story. I shy away, I try to stay away from calling them Bible characters. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll ask somebody, hey, who's your favorite Bible character? I don't like that word character. Because it has this, this connotation of being like a cartoon character. It almost moves it out of the realm of reality and into the realm of fiction. This is not fiction. This actually, literally happened precisely this way. As only God could make it happen. So here's this. You almost feel sorry for this man. Don't feel sorry for him. He's a very evil, wicked man. Very evil man. So... <laughs> the king's servants said to him, Oh, king, Haman is, is there standing in the court. Perfect! Bring him in. Haman is the right-hand man. Haman, right-hand man. That's how you can remember that. And the king said, Let him come in. Come on in. Haman. Could you imagine how overjoyed Haman must be? Ah, oh, finally, he has been seething. Talk about insomnia. He can't sleep a night because he is stewing over this Mordechai who has the audacity to refuse to bow down to him. I'm going to, he built the gallows. He wants to kill, he wants to hang this guy. And now he's got his chance. Finally, I'm going to go to the king and I'm going to say, king, there's this guy his name is Mordechai, <laughs> to which the king's going to say, Hey, I, I've heard of him. In fact, did you, did you know what he did? 
Well, anyway, it's, it's even better than that. So verse 6, Haman came in, and the king asked him, What shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now, he's thinking Mordechai, right? Listen to this. Now, Haman thought in his heart, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? What? And Haman answered the king. Now he's answering the king through that lens. Oh man, the king's going to honor me. So how would I want to be honored? Now watch this. He says, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest, placed on its heart. Verse 9, then, boy, this guy's got an ego, right? Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. I mean, I think Haman already has the robe picked out. He has the horse picked out. He's already picturing himself, visioning himself going through the streets that he has gone through so many times before, demanding people bow down to him. And he's thinking, wow. Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, take the robe, yeah, (laughs) yeah, and the horse, okay, as you have suggested, yes, king, and do so for Mordechai the Jew, who sits within the king's gate. He's here too? Yeah. Leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. Oh, to be a fly on a camel close in proximity to this man when he hears those words from the king. Did you say Mordechai? Yeah. Wait, Mordechai? Yeah, yeah. You mean the Mordechai that I built the gallows for that I was going to come tell you about and ask you if I could just hang him on those gallows. Well, you know the story again, spoiler alert. He ends up being hanged on the very gallows he had built to hang Mordechai on. There's a proverb, this very interesting one. It says, if you set a trap, it's a very loose paraphrase. If you set a trap for somebody, you yourself will be trapped by that trap that you set. You roll a stone over somebody, that stone will roll over you. Be very careful. Well, this is a a perfect example of that. Now, why do I bring in this account in Esther? Because it's a similar example to what we see taking place here. They're going to try to, it's it's, it's the proverbial needle in the haystack. So now they're going to go back now and search for one scroll of all the scrolls. You know how many executive orders the king makes? How many archives? How big would those buildings be? And how are they going to find that one scroll? Oh, listen, if God could arrange it to where of all of the 
scrolls they find, all of the chronicles they find to read for the king so he can sleep, they find the one, the, the one of who knows how many that had the account of Mordechai. And that's what we're about to see. Verse 1, chapter 6. Then King Darius issued a decree, and a search was made in the archives, where the treasures were stored in Babylon. And, verse 2, at Achmetha, in the palace that is in the province of Medea. Now, stop right there. So notice the detail here. So we've got a location called Achmetha, and we're even given more detail. It's in the palace, and even more detail. This is the one that was in the province of Medea. You know what the implication is here? There were many provinces. There were many palaces. There were many places with many scrolls, but a search was made, and in this one place, in this one palace, in this one province, we're told, a scroll was found. And in it, a record was written thus, which we're going to read here in a moment. Again, just as the hand of God had directed the king to find the exact scroll concerning Mordechai, so too did the hand of God direct King Darius in this search to find this scroll concerning Cyrus's decree to rebuild the temple. Let me just kind of put it into perspective here. You know, nowadays, if we want to make a search for a document, I just did this today preparing for my te- teaching on Sunday. I wanted to find this one uh, thing, and so I, I did a search. I didn't have to go to a palace. I didn't have to go to a province. I went to Google, <laughs> and I entered in a few words, different, you know, variations, and it pulled up, uh, let's see if I can get this, uh, remember, there was something like 49,623 hits. And I just scrolled down. Not yet, didn't have to go to the second page. I found it like that. I found it that quick. They couldn't do that then. They couldn't do that then. They would send men to these physical locations, and they would have to find these parchments, and they did find the exact one. In other words, this was not an easy do. This was a miracle. In every sense of the word, it was a miraculous move of God's almighty hand in the supernatural. This is a supernatural thing. This is a supernatural thing. Again, think about this. It's been 15 plus years. I can't find something from 15 days ago. (laughs) 15 years ago? This thing could have been easily lost. It could have been, or how about this? How about if it was misfiled? <laughs> if you should see my files, I'd like to think that I'm, I've got things in files that shouldn't be in that file. They should be in this file over here, which is why I can never find them. So I, I filed it. You know, do you have one of these? I bet you do. You know that one place that you put things so you'll never forget where you put them? Do you have a place like that? 
Oh, how I wish I knew where that place was because I've got a lot of stuff there that I put there so I would never forget where I put them. Well, there, I was in that one place. The only problem is I can't, my keys, uh, I'll leave them here and I forgot where I put them. Oh, they're right, they're right here. Oh, how about this one? Just lastly and then we'll move on because I'm starting to, uh, feel horrible about myself. Uh, how about when you lose your reading glasses? Oh, good. That, that struck a chord. And then how about when you realize that your reading glasses that you can't find, or yes, thank you so much, Mickey. They're on your head. They're on your head. Have you, have you ever gone into the shower with your reading glasses on? You go in to wash. Oh, there they are. There they, thank, there's my reading glasses. They're on. That was good. Okay. Should we move on? I got an amen there somewhere, I think. So this is what they found written in the record, verse three. In the first year of King Cyrus, <laughs> King Cyrus issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt the place where they offered sacrifices, and let the foundations of it be firmly laid. Its height, 60 cubits, and its width, 60 cubits, with three rows of heavy stones and one row of new timber. And then get this, let the expenses be paid from the king's treasury. Oh, this is good. The the, the king's going to pay for it. Also, verse 5, let the gold and silver articles of the house of God, listen, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple which is in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, be restored. Wait a minute, how many, 70 plus years later? And they they still know where those things are at? And they haven't been plundered? We're talking about gold here. And so... This decree from King Cyrus is that all that was stolen is to be returned? Listen, here's what I'm thinking. God is able to recover stolen property. I heard a teaching recently, very good. It just really hit, hit me hard actually. You know how we're told that the devil is a thief and he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy? Think about what Satan steals from us. It's not what we think. He's not interested in our material things. He doesn't need any of that. What does he steal from us? He steals our intimacy with the Lord. He steals our devotion to the Lord. Well, the Lord recovers stolen property. This particular teaching was in the context of how when David was in Ziklag, And he goes to meet with the Philistines and there's a kind of a discussion because the Philistines don't want David. This is David fighting with them against his own people. We're so glad we've had this time with you today as we've continued through the book of Ezra with Pastor J.D. Farag. Pastor J.D. is the lead pastor at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe in Kaneohe, Hawaii. And if you happen to live here, you're invited to visit. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe holds services Sundays at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and in-depth Bible studies each Thursday at 7 p.m. Directions can be found on our website in spiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, you can still benefit from Pastor J.D.'s teachings through our online resources at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. 
simply click listen on the top of the page to gain access to a number of previous messages by Pastor JD in various books of the Bible. You can also find these teachings on our mobile app and take them with you on the go. In addition to accessing those teachings, you can also check out the Mideast Prophecy Update, where Pastor JD shares current events and their prophetic importance. Here's Pastor JD to tell you more. Yes, Josh, that's right. In doing the prophecy updates, we do focus our attention on current events through the lens of Bible prophecy. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 29, Jesus said that he has told us what's going to happen before it happens, so when it happens, we will believe. This is why we have a very simple gospel presentation at the end of each prophecy update. It's our hope and prayer that many would come to salvation in Jesus Christ. Sure hope you'll join us each and every Friday and Saturday for our Bible Prophecy Update. You can also find the updates at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. There you'll find a link to our YouTube channel for the latest update. Thanks, Pastor J.D. It's our prayer that the scripture shared here will work its way into your heart and life through the Spirit's power. Join us for more from the book of Ezra on the next edition of In Spirit and Truth. Will you-